hello and welcome to Please Don't Kick Me Out, a podcast about imposter syndrome. My name is Bianca Woolwick and I'm the host. I interview my friends and people that inspire me to figure out if they have the key to life and they feel successful or feel like they don't fit in like I do. Anyway, thank you for listening and I hope you enjoy the episode. Hey listeners, just wanted to give a big thank you and an update that I am slowing down on incoming interviews to focus on my backlog. I've really appreciated all of the interest in the podcast and all of the interviews, but with my husband deploying, I just really needed to take some time for my mental health and um, reprioritize. I'm starting to do a lot of volunteer opportunities for military and I just needed some time to kind of shift my focus. So um, for now, I'm not doing any incoming interviews. That'll probably change closer to the end of the year. But I do have episodes all the way into 2021 at this point. So I just wanted to say thank you again for everyone's support. I really appreciate it. And I hope everyone has a great week and enjoys the episode. Hey everyone, just wanted to give an intro into this episode and just talk a little bit about housekeeping notes. This week's episode features Robin Shine. She is the host of the 365 Brothers podcast where she interviews men of color, black men, and gets their story and their perspective. Um, It's a huge passion project of hers, so I'm excited to share this. Um, And Robin, if you are listening, I just wanted to wish you luck in teaching in a pandemic. And for everyone who's been listening and who's been super supportive of the interview hiatus, I just want to thank you. Um, Of course, if you have any ideas or things you'd like to pitch to me, please email pdkmopodcast at gmail.com. And I look forward to hearing from you. Thanks and enjoy the episode. Hey, how's it going? It's going great. Great. It's a little warm today, but it's a good day. I know it it has been unexpectedly warm. And uh, before we hopped on this, I had mentioned to you that I definitely got some heat exhaustion or heat stroke yesterday. So um, that was my body's way of telling me I need to stay inside amidst air conditioning. (laughs) (laughs) I know the feeling. I'm going to brave the warm weather and go out for a beer with a girlfriend at an open air place. And, uh, you know, the, you know, the bad news is it probably should be water and not beer. The good news is it's going to be beer and not water. (laughs) (laughs) I feel that on a cellular level. Um, So this is Please Don't Kick Me Out, a podcast about imposter syndrome. And the lovely voice you're hearing on the other end is Robin Shine. So Robin, can you give your elevator pitch, who you are, what you do, etc.? Well, I am, uh, I've been an educator for a couple decades, actually almost three now, whoa. Um, I'm also an avid half marathoner, I'm a creative, and right now, what I, who I am is the host of 365 Brothers, it's a podcast exploring the lives of African American men, showing how extraordinary they are in their ordinary everyday lives. And um, each episode is an intimate conversation, and I am getting so much out of this. And lastly, it was born out of the moment that we're in. Um, you know, everyone being at home, no 
games to go to, and we saw uh, what happened with George Floyd. And although he wasn't the first that we witnessed, I think we can all agree there was something mm -hmm. um, particularly uh, alarming about that particular eight-minute video. And um, my question, well, it wasn't really a question. It was, why do I only know about Black men's stories from tragedy or else they're celebrity? And um, that was the birth of this podcast. Yeah, I, I absolutely love that. And um, I do agree with you that this time has been such a creative um, and uh, I would say uplifting time in a lot of ways to really explore who we are, what we can offer the world. And I think that your podcast coming out of the movement as well as people's uncomfortableness in sitting and wanting to do something and change, I think that that's a really great thing because you're, you're, you know, it's not just these times, you're right. It is all stories, they're all important. And so I'm really glad that you're doing this. I think it's great. Thank you, appreciate that. Yeah, so you are one of uh, many of uh, podcast uh, podcasters that I've connected with uh, recently through matchmaker.fm, which of course, as I've said to my listeners many times, is not a dating website. It is purely <laughs> for free for podcasters to connect to other podcasters um, and guests and that thing of the like. So um, I'm really glad that you reached out to me. And I think that this is going to be a really great conversation, especially kind of reading ahead as uh, some of the things that you've said in here, I think are really great. So um, let's start with the first question, which is, do you yes. feel like you have it all figured out? Well, I do wanna say, first of all, thank you for having me. And um, I wanna acknowledge that I did find you on Matchmaker and I just love the premise of this because I think we all feel like imposters. Um, I, I, don't, mm -hmm. I, don't, I know a lot of really successful people and I know folks who are struggling and it doesn't matter who we are, we feel the same way, which brings me to, no, I don't feel like I have it all figured out at all. Um, you know, it's funny right now, um, like I said, my day job is uh, teaching and I've got 21 years at the same school and I cannot tell you the, um, I don't know, I don't want to use the word dread, but there is a certain trepidation would probably be a better word about doing distance learning. Mm -hmm. And even though I know I'm a seasoned educator, I'm a caring educator, there's still, there's, and I, and by the way, and I love tech, even though I've been around um, in education a while, mm -hmm. I love tech. And yet it's like, <gasps> how am I going to do? Am I going to do okay? I'm going to mess it up. I know I'm going to mess it up. <laughs> and, um, you know, but the good news is, is that what there is to do that I've learned, at least for me, is to just stay present. Like that is, that is how I deal with the ongoing sense of, you know, not, I would say for me, the imposter syndrome is um, not good enough. You know, that's my version of it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And I even, um, so like, I started this podcast because at the beginning of this pandemic, I was laid off, um, like many Americans, uh, and I had wanted to do something creative that would give back, that would make me feel good. And so you mentioned that your 365 Brothers podcast is something that, you know, is, is somewhat of a passion project to you as well, where you feel fulfilled when you're we're working on it and stuff. And, mm -hmm. and for me, what I've, I've come to find is that imposter syndrome is less and less 
when you're living your truth and you're doing something that makes you feel valued and you're giving something valuable back. Um, so for me, it's like, I, I no longer feel um, di like differently. And this podcast came to be because I got laid off and my worst fear being a marketing director for this branch of a fortune 500 company was that they were going to come in and say, Oh, you have 10 years of experience, but uh, shh, get out of here. Like <laughs> you, you gotta go, you gotta go. We figured it out. And um, of course that never happened and a pandemic happened instead. But even so, um, even when the, my worst fear did happen, I still was able to bounce back from it relatively easy. And it was almost like I faced my fear in a way. So that's kind of where this podcast came from. Uh, because I was, every day I'd go into work and I'd go, gosh, I just hope that today's not the day that my boss comes in here and tells me to leave. <laughs> so, so yeah, that to me is kind of where, where I've seen my, uh, my framing of what imposter syndrome means to me uh, shift a little bit. Mm, very cool. Yeah. And I've also, um, in talking to some of my friends who are educators, I've heard that as well, where this distance learning has kind of thrown them through a loop where it feels um, a lot different and, and there's more parameters and almost hurdles to kind of, that, you've, that you're kind of putting mentally yourself into um, when really, you know, you can only do the best that you can do with what you're given. Exactly. And I had to make peace with that. This is an unusual time. And Three years from now, um, you know, education will be forever changed by this, and there'll be things that we use that will continue, but will never be this year again. And so, like you said, do the best I can. Um, all of us will do the very best we can, and we also know that it is a one-time, maybe two, <laughs> event. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When do you? Uh, when does your school go back? first week of September is when the school is when the kids come back and then I get to do some training a week or so ahead of time which is great and it's you know they, they've done a good job of building in time for us to get familiar with some of the new the new ropes so to speak well that's good I think I think that this sounds like um uh you're in LA County or Orange County Long Beach Unified oh you're mm -hmm. in Long Beach LA okay. County Nice. My, uh, my husband's actually, his family's from Long Beach. He went to Cypress High School. Okay, so, yes. yeah. So, um, so very familiar with that area and kind of that school system. Um, but I, it, to me, it sounds like, and I, I, I don't, I'm going to say this lightly because my opinion might change a couple of weeks or so from now <laughs> um, or whenever. Um, but so far I feel like, um, you know, LA County has really been really trying to do this right um, and make sure that, you know, it's going to be done safely and online and distanced. Yes, I agree. I, I, I'm really happy with um, the thought that's gone into what this is going to look like. And um, I have a lot of compassion for all the levels that are involved from the health department mm -hmm. to the district uh, leadership principals, like no one has done this before. And my God, parents, Ooh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't have children. And, and, um, but I have, you know, some of the folks I teach with do. And of course I have family that are dealing with this and wow. I mean, if all I got to do is get it together to deliver it, you know, that's, that's the easy part. Yeah, yeah. You kind of touched on it um, in regards to yourself, uh, but you also kind of, in reading ahead, uh, have like a different 
uh, two, a kind of a two-pronged meaning to imposter syndrome. So we'll hop mm-hmm. into the next question, which is, sure. do you feel like you fit in or suffer from imposter syndrome? And what ways and what does imposter syndrome mean to you? Wow. Okay. So this podcast, you know, <laughs> I, um, so, you know, uh, it might be obvious from what I share, but it may not be. So I'm African-American and I, um, just was uh, disheartened. I don't even have all the words for how I felt, um, and especially with the uprising. And so, as I said, this this podcast was developed. And one of the things that happened is I would interview these amazing men, both those that are related to me and some who are not, some that I know as friends, and some that were strangers that people referred to. And many times they would say, oh, I'm so glad you're doing this. And it's so great to have a sister doing this. And, you know, by sister, we mean, you know, there's another black woman standing up and, 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 you know, promoting the life, the, the, Mm -hmm. the experiences of black men. And there were times when it was difficult to hear it because I would feel like, oh my God, if you only knew my partner of 11 years is a white guy. Ugh. Does that make me a traitor? (laughs) Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's ridiculous because no one's saying that. No, you know, it it goes without saying cousins, uncle, brother, uh, father, you know, there's no requirement that that I be a particular way or date a black man to have Mm -hmm. the right to share their stories. And yet that was there. And so there would be these times when I would feel like, that it it when they would acknowledge me that somehow it was undeserved or that I was you know I was an imposter of what a down a true righteous black sister would be about and um you know of course I got over it and I shared it in my episode zero uh just you know what I was dealing with around it but Mm -hmm. it's yeah I, I there would be times that I was feeling that way but What's interesting about that is it's kind of the whole point of the podcast because um, so many of the men that I interview, they're sharing similar stories. And, and what it really comes down to is kind of a fundamental question, I think, for mm-hmm. all of us, because, you know, what does it mean to be a Black woman? What does it mean to mm-hmm. be a Black man, like, am I black enough? If I play the cello and I wear my hair in a, I don't know, I can't think of it, that kind of Mr. T style, I can't think of the name, uh, Tomahawk, no, I don't know, whatever that is, um, it, it, you know, am I still righteous? And I think at this point in our development as society, there are less restrictions on, on who we have to be, mm-hmm. but the residual of um, that a woman is a particular way, a man is a particular way, blacks are this way, whites are that way. It's, we're blowing it up in the moment, but I find myself still dealing with the residual of Mm -hmm. old concepts if yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, that does make a lot of sense. And, um, and a lot of, uh, for me being an ally and, and supporting my, my communities and, and making sure that like all voices are heard, um, you know, equality for all, but specific, specifically based on this movement, especially 
the black community. I mean, I, I've, I've definitely worked tirelessly to kind of create that conversation and, and, and kind of, you know, change the narrative among my friends, among my family, all of that. But even so, like, I get what you're saying because I'm a, I'm a military spouse. Um, so I'm a Navy, uh, wife and mm -hmm. my husband, um, my husband's been in for, for a long time and he, he plans to be career. And, um, there is no one way to be a spouse, but there's these feelings of keeping up with the Joneses where mm -hmm. it's like, oh, okay, so I have to uh, have 2.5 children and, uh, <laughs> and this, this, and this. And um, I'm just gonna say right now, I'm a person that doesn't want to have children. I have no interest. It's just not for me. Um, I love kids in small doses, but I would rather give them a pony and sugar and send them back. That's the best <laughs> reward for me is sending my nephew home. Bye-bye. And, um, but, but, but I've, I've felt that. And I think like, you're right. It's everywhere. Right. Where it's like, okay, like there's, there's not one way to be a, a student. There's not one way to be a white woman or a white man or a black woman or a black man, but it's all kind of the spectrum. And I think that the, 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 the moving forward, the generations that are younger um, are being raised to be a little bit more empathetic and also to kind of undo a lot of these chains of old values mm. and old systemic ideas. So I'm hopeful that in the future, you can just be a person. Right. And there's no more, oh, you're too white. You're, oh, this, that's too white. Oh, you like to run marathons? That's, that's a white person's thing. No, it's, it's an everyone thing. You can do like, like I just, I, I, that's what's kind of been boggling my mind as mm. I'm sitting with this uncomfortable conversations and, and seeing things I don't want to see, but I'm forcing myself to, because I, I don't ever want to have that repeat. And so yeah. that's just, I just, you know, I hope that we get to a point where it's like, we don't have to question like, me as a woman, like, am I woman enough? Cause I'm not choosing to have a child or mm -hmm. am I, exactly. am I, am I, am I a bad spouse? Because now I no longer want, like, I'd rather podcast than work right now, you know, stuff like that. So, <laughs> so I get you, I, get I feel it. you. And it's two prong when you're a woman. Cause it's like, you have all these stupid patriarchal things that go, you know, that, that, that you're, you're asked to be or do or say or think. And then, and then you're also, you're, then you're also trying to prove your worth in comparison to men. And it's just like, ugh, just let me be. <laughs> <laughs> it's all these shits, you know, in one of the conversations I had, um, it came out, um, this was um, an episode with uh, Chris Wilson. And what we were talking about is the weight. And if, if you don't mind, I'd like to share, mm -hmm. like he was talking about one of the questions I ask is um, what's an experience that signifies what it is to be a black man in America for you. Mm -hmm. And his was in short when he was in Ethiopia and he was shocked at that when he was walking down the street, everyone expected him to be black. It was like, cause that's what's there, you know? And, and that contrast to this, what, what he experiences in the United States and in the conversation we realized, oh my gosh, where it's like a like wardrobe, it's like an outfit we wear yes. in terms of these expectations of who we are. Mm -hmm. So, you know, someone sees me, they're gonna size me up about what is an appropriate activity, what is my, you know, where I probably live, what my home may look like, who, you know, all that kind mm -hmm. of stuff. 
and we wear it and we're so used to the judgments about how about fitting into these different stereotypes mm -hmm. and who we ought to be or who society thinks we ought to know we ought to be that it, it feels like something when you leave the house and interact with it that other people are interacting with that and you know i i second on your hope that um and I actually, I won't just second on the hope. I do believe you're right that these, this young generation, because they do have every, like all this information at their fingertips, that they, they have so much more exposure. I think we are going to move into an era where we have more freedom to be mm -hmm. yeah. people, the person that we are. Yeah. And that's a very interesting conversation you had with Chris Wilson, because I was just on a podcast called Too Rich to Miss, which is uh, a, a man by the name of Richard Hawks. I'll get you in touch with him. He's really Please. great. Um, great story. Great, great, great conversation. Like my husband uh, was gone for a bit and then he came back and the podcast came out and he listened to it and he was like, man, this guy sounds cool. I want to be his friend. Uh -huh. <laughs> but he said in terms of imposter syndrome, in terms of like going through life, as a black man and being in the corporate world, he felt like he was constantly doing this thing called the act where he was mm -hmm. putting on a persona to fit in so that it was less black and less mm -hmm. and less himself. So he could just kind of fit in and that would be so fatiguing by the time he would get home. And it would just, every day he would just dread it, you know, and, and then there was no way out kind of. Um, which, which it really, I hadn't even thought about that. And now I'm like, gosh, like that makes so much sense. And, and also like, that's really sad that that's not a way anyone should feel or live. Well, here's the thing. One of the things that became really evident as I interviewed more and more black men, I would ask them one of the questions about, um, accomplishments and, um, and it would either come up there or it would come up in the question about um, uh, what's something about you that doesn't match the stereotype of black men. And the thing that I kept hearing as a response was, oh, well, you know, I'm approachable or um, mm. I, you know, I, I'm not like I actually had someone say, you know, I'm not, you know, the angry black man. And what I found is that. I didn't, I didn't even know how much black men go out of their way to make other people comfortable mm -hmm. because of the fear that they will appear either aggressive or angry. And so they're doing, you know, what he called the act and even though I know what it's like as a black woman to not want to be too loud, too boisterous, too anything like that. Um, it just was a whole different, it was something to hear it from more than a handful of, of men. Yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. And, and that makes a lot of sense. I think it's a great thing that you're doing and sharing these stories because the, this is the kind of stuff that creates change. And I'm also finding in the conversations about imposter syndrome is that it's because it's a very human thing mm -hmm. to feel this insecurity or this not being able to accept their accomplishments or being found out to be a fraud. Um, again, because it goes back to societal, what does society want me to do? Who's telling me that I need to be this way? Why do I feel like I need to do this? Um, 
And so I'm hoping in these conversations you're having, these conversations I'm having, that, that this kind of dance and act um, can kind of diminish and you can mm -hmm. just be yourself. You know, I have to say it's, <laughs> I just uh, booked a guy for an interview and, and he also has a podcast and, and he was referred to me, you know, I didn't find him on Matchmaker, but my, my point is there are so many people who are taking on these creative ways to share stories, whether they're people who, because of COVID, have time to finally write the novel that has always been there that's going to provide this different perspective or people like us who are podcasting. And I think this whole period that COVID has forced upon us, this period of time where we can pursue our self-expression and our, our contribution, I think this is actually going to do some good for the ongoing growth of humankind. I really believe that. And, and I think, you know, these kinds of conversations are happening in part because we have this weird time going on around us. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I think about the fact that I got you know, laid off and, and that's fine. And I, you know, I, I, I took a couple of weeks and I grieved it and, and then I kind of, you know, pulled myself up by my bootstraps and was like, okay, all right, Bianca. So you got laid off. So did everyone else. Um, what are you going to do? That's different. So I started the podcast and then I was always advocating for therapy, but I wasn't going. So I, <laughs> I went into therapy. I finally got a diagnosed with adult ADHD. Um, a lot of times mm. for women, it's not diagnosed at a young age, um, similar yep. to autism, as I've heard, um, mm -hmm. which not saying they're the two same things, but just that typically the boys were louder and more obvious with their I had a late diagnosis. I was diagnosed with ADD in my 20s. Mm -hmm. And yeah, and it's, and it's crazy how that like, okay, so I, I finally had the time to go to that doctor. Well, um, there's a history of autoimmune in my, in my, in my mom's side of the family. And so I was there. So I got my blood panels came back fully healthy. I now know my cholesterol, my lipids, my liver, everything, my liver, God willing, because I mean, I feel like sometimes I'm drinking to time travel. Um, <laughs> <laughs> my husband's sitting on the other side of me and he just put his fist up in the air like, yeah, <laughs> um, I'm, I'm kidding. <laughs> but, but even so, like, I mean, it was, it was nice to know, okay, like you're healthy, clean bill of health. Great. But that's the thing. It's like these, this is the time to learn, read, do all these things, listen to podcasts, create something. Um, and I have this saying, and I've said it so many times, but I, I just really do believe it's true that if you aren't coming out of this time, this self-reflective time, and I'm, I'm not going to say unprecedented because I hate that term, but <laughs> yeah, this time, yeah. this, this, if you're not going to take this pandemic to just really figure out like what your contribution, like what you want to leave, like what are the words on your headstone, like what's what's going to be your mark on the world. Um, then like for me personally, like that's not a kind of person that I want to keep in my life as someone that didn't do something that made them more compassionate and you know empathetic, sympathetic, um, creative, or uh, you know just contributing something beautiful to the world. So I'm excited when I hear people are are doing something that is so valuable. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> so this kind of goes into the feeling of success. And I like this question because I think every single person has a different view of success. So what does success look like to you? And do you feel successful? Mm. You know, it seems like such a simple enough question. 
and yet <laughs> it's not. I mean, so, you know, I got my little fancy degrees. I went to UCLA a lot. I've been teaching a long time and I certainly have sufficient gratitude to know that I live a good life. Um, it's, it's, I definitely do not have the feeling that, um, my life, uh, you know, like, oh, I'll, I've, I, I've never done some of the things I really wanted to do. I've traveled. So, so on that, on that end, you know, I feel like <laughs> this perfect for imposter syndrome. I feel like I should say I'm a success. <laughs> um, and yet I have, you know, I, I did dream, I, I've written several books and every time I thought, oh my God, this one's going to change the world. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, you know, so I, I do feel grateful and I do feel like I, the fact that I can do what I want to do for the mm -hmm. most part in my life, like I, if I want to walk half marathons, I walk half marathons. So, and, and that since I feel like a success. On the other hand, I, you know, I have to be honest, of course, I've got a budget for my half marathons. I can't just, you know, I don't get to just, oh my God, there's a half marathon in Cairo. I'm going to go to Cairo next month. And so there's this Americanism thing that, you know, sure. Yeah, I've, I've got, you know, I've got all the trappings that say I've made it, but I don't have a yacht <laughs> um, and I don't really want a yacht, but I mean, I certainly, um, I feel like I'll, I, I have a feeling that I will always be looking at what else can I do? What else can I do? So mm -hmm. in that sense, I, I feel grateful and I um, appreciate the uh, success I have. Would I take more? Absolutely. Um, what would that look like? Well, um, right now, and, and I know, you know, I keep referencing the podcast, but that's because that's like my passion right now. But I think if, um, so let me just say this. So there was, um, when you mentioned, uh, choosing not to have children, about, oh, what was that? 2012, 2013, I started a nonprofit called Earth Mothers. And it was mm -hmm. specifically about women who choose to be child-free. And it was, we were going to have Earth Mother showers, which is, you know, not a baby shower, but you, uh, everybody comes, you donate to a charity, we build up child-free women. And I say that because I've always had this desire to do something like real success for me would look like making a mark that had a significant impact in uplifting mm -hmm. people, you know? And so right now that desire for that type of success is I'm channeling it into the podcast and I'm hoping that it changes how we talk about what black is, what black isn't, but, and, and, that it even goes beyond that and just changes what we're talking about right now. Mm -hmm. You know, like who gets to say what something is? When do we get to that place where um, how we live our life is just how we live our life? And quite frankly, it's funny. I, I, I love conversations because in this conversation right now, I really hadn't seen 
how much all of the things I've been up to are really in that same vein. So I, I, I honestly didn't realize that that is, I've kind of talked myself through what success looks like for me. What success looks like mm -hmm. for me is making a significant difference in how we experience the freedom to be. Yeah. That would be success. Yeah, I, I love that answer. And I um, can definitely agree with you there. And around the beginning of the year, um, I had looked at where I was at in my salary and I was like, I'm not making the amount that I should be making. I'm being undervalued with my salary. And as a woman, these are things that if it was a man, there would be no batting of an eye. There would be no begging and oh gosh, if you, you know, but it's okay if just my minimum, <laughs> right? So mm -hmm. I started the process of trying to be valued with more money um first talked to my boss about it and then we couldn't come to an agreement thus getting laid off and COVID and all that kind of being the same wheelhouse um which was not it was not a negative thing um because i i i i, I recently posted something to instagram where it was a photo of me in, and it was in uh, March and I was going to interview um, at this swanky uh, advertising boutique down in uh, Little Italy, which is like just outside downtown or, or it was Baker's Hill actually, doesn't matter. But I am, um, and, I'm, and, I'm, and, I'm, and, I'm, and I've got my like Louis Vuitton purse that my husband had gotten me as an anniversary gift that like, I definitely felt imposter syndrome. I didn't think I deserved that. I'm not a material mm -hmm. person at all. And mm -hmm. I had that so I could like prove like, yes, like I'm, you know, I, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm worth this amount of money. I'm wearing this blazer and like dress and shoes. And, and I look at that picture and I do not recognize that person. Mm. And that was in March wow. because the person in that photo could have been given more money, was offered the position and turned it down. Mm. And the reason why was because I had suddenly this time to think about what I'm doing in the world and whether or not I'm contributing anything to it. And I was looking back and it's like, yeah, you know, I've done a lot of marketing for a lot of brands and companies and I've worked on a lot of cool stuff and I've volunteered for a lot of cool things. But honestly, the most joy and best I feel is when I'm helping my spousal community, my, my Navy spouses, my military spouses, because they are so underserved that I being an, you know, being someone that, that has done a lot of things in their career, has a lot to say. I feel value in doing this podcast and sharing stories and stuff. So I kind of realized that my pivot in my career is going to have to take a more mentorship role, a more creative role. And I'm suddenly marketing for myself and not for others. And so that yeah. makes me it brings me joy. I wake up every day joyful. And I didn't realize that success was not going to be a monetary thing. It's yeah, right. It's so American to want more. It is. Like, <laughs> yes. I mean, but even if I had gotten more, would I have been happy? And the answer is probably not. So, mm -hmm. so that's kind of where I'm at. And so I, I definitely agree with you. Like, yeah, I mean, would it be nice to travel? Yeah, sure. Would it be nice to be able to go do something and, and just say, okay, yeah, I'll go, I'll go to Cairo and run this marathon. No, it definitely would be great. But um, at the same time, I'm happy with what I've got. And, and I didn't think that, you know, I learned that so young into my, um, 
one, my career and two, just like life in general, because I'm 31. Yeah. So mm-hmm. knowing that and having that key to, to my own success in life has been really, really nice. Congratulations on, <laughs> on getting it. No, seriously, getting it. So, I mean, because I'm in my 50s. So for you to, to have that and be clear about it now, it's, it's just such a blessing for who you get to be as you unfold the rest of your adulthood. Yeah. And I think there was like a level of imposter syndrome, like in my career where it was like, I was freelancing for myself, but I wasn't making money. And I think like I was telling myself that I wasn't being valued and it's like, well, what number would have that have been of value? Because (laughs) I mean, I couldn't even, I couldn't have even told you what it it would have been because I know that even if I was going to make 20 or 30 K more than what I was making, it just wouldn't have it wouldn't have been worth it. I would still be stressed out. I'd still have the same problems I already had in my job. And I'd still have, you know, I still have the Sunday scaries. I'd still be unsure of myself. And that's, that's another thing too, that I I think people um, in this pandemic are kind of starting to realize is that you're able to kind of really figure out like what is exactly, if you have the opportunity to figure out what is next for you. Um, It's, it's a beautiful thing, but also, um, I've got friends that were tattooed by my friend's a tattoo artist. And now she's like, all right, I'm going to be an, I'm going to go to school and become a nurse. Wow. They shut me down they shut, they shut us down and I'm, I'd rather be a nurse. You know what I, I did? I've done this for a while, but I think, uh, I'd rather be a nurse. I'm going to go follow my passion. And um, I love hearing that. Yeah. <laughs> I, and it goes back to what you were saying about, you know, people using this time. And I know that, you know, I, I also want to be responsible because I realize there are are people who are essential workers and they're not experiencing this as a time of reflection. Right. It's maybe a time of anxiety, but you know, for those who are able, you know, and I don't want to discount that an essential worker who's busy isn't also rethinking and making new choices. But I, I, I do get that there's a true opportunity here for so many people. And I love that she's, you know, that example of someone who's found that. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I also feel like, you know, I've heard just, I've, I've heard people kind of do like, oh, like, this is what I want to do now, or this is what I want to do next. And, and, and again, yes, I agree with you. Like, I don't, obviously don't want to discredit anyone who is an essential worker, who's at their wit's end, who's very afraid, who's very busy. Um, but in my case, I, I, you know, I'm married to an officer in the Navy and, uh, and I, I just don't have to worry right now, but at the same time, I worry for others. So yeah, yeah. and, so I, and <laughs> we have to, you know, it's like as I say that, it's acknowledging it, but it's also not feeling bad about where we're at. Yep. Like, you know. So anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so I think we've addressed the elephant in the room, which is of course imposter syndrome. So now we can move on to um, the more fun part of the conversation for, for me, which is always kind of how I pick apart my, my guests' brains and learn what they're fanatical <laughs> about and things that they're not. Um, normally I don't answer this question, but I have to because I'm staring at it right now. I am currently fanatical about this baby Yoda thing from The Mandalorian. I, my friend Diana, She's um, a veteran of the Navy. She's just, she served for 20 years and just moved here from Naples, Italy. And, um, and we've met and become friends. And she's obsessed with this Baby Yoda like subculture on Facebook. And huh. um, she's 48, I'm 31. And I bought this doll 
in it. My husband thinks it's the creepiest thing in the world. I think it's so cute. It's just like, it's got this just sweet little baby face. I don't know. If you've seen The Mandalorian, then maybe you'll understand, but Baby Yoda is innocent and just sweet and brings me joy. And so even though some of the groups I'm in are just slightly weird, like people are dressing them <laughs> up as like children and giving them legs and I've only gone so far to name my baby Yoda guy after Guy Fieri and, oh, yeah. and he, I've, he doesn't have legs cause that's the way they made this doll for some reason. And so I just, I just, I'm okay with him being a double amputee. It's fine. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Look, I have to tell you, I, we're, we're on the phone, but now I've got, I'm, I'm like trying to type in as fast as I, I can because I'm like, what does this look like? Okay. Hold on. <laughs> It's uh, the child of, I want to say Oh, got it. Mm -hmm. I'm looking at it right now. I've, I have seen these. Oh, very cool. Very cool. Yeah, um, $24.99 Target pickup. And uh, <laughs> I'm, I, I, I will say I am very glad that I bought it because the day that I purchased it, um, nine, uh, nine people passed away during a training incident that my husband um, happened oh. to be underway the Marines and the, and the one sailor. Um, and I didn't hear from him for a full like 48 hours. And of course my mother-in-law came to stay with me and I got this little puppy and he was, you know, he always sleeps on my pillow. He's very sweet, but, um, I don't know. He just brought me joy and being in that community. Just like, I, I felt like that helped me get through it because they were sharing memes or funny jokes or just kind of, mm -hmm. and it was, it was a nice kind of escape. And so I definitely, um, I, I, there was times I wanted to jump off my house because I was like, I don't know if he's okay. I haven't heard from him. Is this is a nightmare? But um, but yeah, Baby Yoda got that me through it. So <laughs> yeah, it was. It was. Yeah. It's funny you say that. Um, this summer, um, early in the COVID thing, I watched all of the Star Wars. I binged everyone. <laughs> <laughs> I even posted on Facebook. I was like, what's the best order? And, um, and one of my friends is like, okay, here's a website. They tell you all the different, ver all the different orders you can watch it in. Pick which one you want. <laughs> and I was like, okay. Um, and by the way, for those who are wondering if there are any Star Wars fans, I chose chronological, not from release, but chronological from, you know, uh, Hound Solo on up. Anyway, um, I share that because you're asking me what am I fanatical about, and I am a completionist. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. If I start something, I got to do the whole thing, beginning to end. Um, and uh, right now I'm watching Suits, and I didn't start it until recently. COVID has provided me more time to watch shows and it was nine seasons worth. I'm happy to say that I'm on season nine, episode six. I will finish the entire series within one month. Watch out, people. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I mean, and you know, when I walked my first half marathon, I was like, oh my God, this is so great. I'm going to walk 100. <laughs> so I'm, I've done 44. <laughs> I, I just, I have this thing about numbers. And I think yeah. that, you know, people can probably get why it's, well, actually, the reason I'm doing 365 Brothers is because I did 365 poems. Um, I, po I wrote and posted a poem a day, um, April 2018 to April 2019. And four months, five months later, I was just like, 
I'm missing, I'm fainting on having some kind of numeric commitment. So then I start at 365 doodles a day. Um, yeah, nice. I, I'm a completionist fanatic. I just, I love taking stuff on and going, you know, of course, how do I exercise? 10,000 steps. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I really do love that, Robin, because I have the Peloton bike and um, the Pelots, I, I, I've never been a, a competitive person. I, I've never been someone that uh, loved working out or really enjoyed it. Um, but uh, oh, this damn bike, I've had it for two years. Mm -hmm. I've got 1,300, I think 1,300 and... 17 rides on the bike itself. Um, nice. and the whole thing was, I wanted to get to hundred, then I got to hundred, then I wanted to get to 150. When I got to 150, mm -hmm. I wanted to get to 200. And then I set a goal of, okay, I'm going to the studio. This was last September. I'm going to do 500 in the studio or I'm going to do 300 by my 30th birthday. 30th birthday came and went and I, I hit 350 instead. And I was like, all right, I'm gonna do 500 <laughs> by the time I go to September. Just kidding, blew through that, 550 in the studio. And then mm -hmm. I set a goal of, all right, by the end of me owning this bike for two years with my husband, I want to have 1,000 rides and I want to do it in the store, in the San Diego Peloton store. And so I did. And then I was like, all right, well, I mean, I hit my goal and then COVID happened and I kind of fell out of practice with it. And, and then BLM movement started back up and, and that, and I didn't want to take away cause I, I'm, I'm a huge fan of pride and all of that. And I didn't want to take away from that movement. So I thought, well, what's a way that I can celebrate both? Mm -hmm. I thought, okay, I'm going to do the AIDS life cycle and mileage in for the month of June. And that is 545 miles from San Francisco to Los Angeles. And um, that meant I would have to ride a minimum of 20 to 25 miles a day. Mm -hmm. wow. And I hit it on Woo! June 30th, but I did. And so that after that, I was like, all right, so now what's my goal? So it's kind of, I, I just give myself similar to you, numerical kind of things but also if I start a show I have to finish it same as you and I don't know mm -hmm. is this an ADD thing because Maybe. I, I it's, it's the, my, <laughs> mo my modes are now and not now like it's either like I'm doing it to completion and you cannot stop me or like I couldn't be fussed like like for instance like I can get on the bike and I can ride 545 miles in a month but my laundry will sit in my dryer for probably two weeks Girl, 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 <laughs> let me tell you something. Oh, like today, today was kitchen day. Oh, today, oh, you know, we're, we're doing all the dishes, the counter, you know, the stove, the blah, 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 mm -hmm. the blah, blah, blah. Kitchen day may come back around next month. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, you know, then it'll be, you know, uh, paper day. And like, I've got, you know, some papers that need to be filed and boy, I will sweep through. I love taking on rooms. The room I'm in right now, it's like a, a extra bedroom where I do all my, you know, little stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, and when I get, when I get it in my head, oh, this room, it's, I'm, I'm on it. Everything is getting sweeped out and la, la, la. And, you know, who knows when I'll get back to it. But when I'm on it, I'm on it. <laughs> I love that. No, I, appre I appreciate that. I'm very much the same way. And it's kind of funny because... So we bought our house last year. We, we own a house in Lemon Grove, which is in East County of San Diego County, um, which is just outside of downtown, super close to my, the base. And then I worked in Mission Valley, which is kind of like up north-ish. And um, 
we bought it knowing that we were going to hold on to it and rent it out when we went to, when we go to our next duty station, which is Hawaii. Mm-hmm. So we pandemic hits and suddenly we're in our house all the time. And it's like, well, I might as well get the front yard turfed. Well, now that the front yard's returfed, we got to get the backyard returfed. And then it was like, okay, well that's done. Oh, well now we got to stay in the fence. Uh, we did. And then I was like, we should paint the kitchen cabinets since the kitchen cabinets were this white painted, they're like fresh paint. It looked terrible. So now the kitchen cabinets and the pantry cabinets are this emerald or this royal blue color, like this blue, uh, admiral blue color. And then we kind of lost steam. We were going to paint all the cabinets, like the bathroom cabinets. And that just kind of fell by the wayside, but we did paint the door blue. And my husband also has ADHD. So it's like, it's like he'll start a project and, um, and, and he'll have to finish it to completion. And, and, but he'll also find any excuse not to finish it if it's, if it's not easily obtainable. So yeah. we're on our last two little things where we're going to have someone replace our back patio doors because we never had a key to the back patio lock. We had to replace it and it just never really worked. And then we're going to get a, a pergola, which is like, those lattice things that you can put over onto the concrete and then we'll hang some shade sails and figure out whatever we're going to do because right now I have an apartment complex looking into my backyard so I feel really weird because I have this kiddie pool that it's like really nice kiddie pool but I always feel like I'm being watched so (laughs) I so I so I'm like "Ah, I feel you there yeah and once this is done we will have everything to completion and then we will be able to rent it out and move and and then hopefully no one destroys our house. <laughs> and it, you know, what's funny is I know I get it. And, and I know, like in talking to you, the reason that I go hard on a particular room is because it's, it's very clear what there is to do to attain it. Because one of the things with ADD is like, it, it's, well, at least my, I've, I've read, there's a book by uh, Dr. Uh, his name is Amen. But anyway, he claims there's six types and you know, whether that's true or not, I know there are different flavors of ADD. And with mine, like it, it's easier if I know what there is to do, but if something has, you know, like it's difficult to conceive exactly how this goes or where it ends or what's involved, then it's much more difficult for me to wrap my hand, my head around it and take it on. And, you know, honestly, again, conversations are so great because I take on a room because it's clear and I can get it done. But if I think about my house, it's like, oh, that's too much. I, I think I'll just have a beer. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, I, it's, that makes a lot of sense, you know, and it's just made me think of the fact that we have, um, it's a three bedrooms, two bath, and um, we're three and a half, because like one's like, doesn't have a closet, therefore it's a half. And so uh-huh. it, <laughs> And we, and we love our house. I didn't see the potential in this house. My husband did. Um, and, and, and I'm glad that he did. And I listened to him because he, he, he felt good about it. So I was like, all right, cool. And it's been a great property and, and we love it. And it's finally at a point where it's our own because we, we have an office and it, originally he just had a desk and it's a little desktop top computer. But then I got laid off and I wanted to do this podcast and I was podcasting at my damn kitchen table. Like, and I didn't have a desk and he's like, use my desk. I was like, I'm not, no. And then we, and then I started getting into crafts and he was like, okay, now, now we have to finish the office. (laughs) So, and I just put Robin, my last or my last piece, my friend had this ottoman that 
didn't fit in her house. It's this gorgeous like velvet tufted ottoman and with, and I got three little velvet pillows and it sits next, you know, it sits across from the desks and I have these unicorn lamps with rainbow tassels on them that I hot glued on and, and I've got and it like, pillows. it's just all the stuff. And then I'm, um, we have a Cavalier King Charles Spaniel. So I got this little, found this vintage, uh, framed photo of, of uh, an artist did that says like sweet little king it's a cavalier thing and that's going to be put up on the wall behind me and then I feel like it's complete yes <laughs> and I'm I like that it. is such a good feeling <laughs> it is I know what you mean it, it really is oh, it, see you may be a fellow completionist I'm just saying I think so I think so I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna do some reading on it yeah yeah send me that yeah, book yeah. title <laughs> but um Let's go into unpopular opinions. Now, I always say that, you know, my mind is always that cantaloupe is trash. I just don't like it. Um, but uh, uh, I always like to hear people's unpopular opinions. So what are some that you have and why? Mm. Well, you know, I think my biggest unpopular opinion is it's, it's probably going to gain, if not have have already gained some popularity possibly, but I just think school is a mess. <laughs> I, you know, and I say that knowing that I'm in education, I'm a teacher and I, you know, I, you know, I commit to doing my job. However, this thing is so old. It is, you know, I feel like saying, how old is it? It's as old as the industrial revolution. <laughs> it, <laughs> this idea of an hour of science, an hour of English, mm -hmm. an hour of social studies. I mean, if you wanted to design a system of education that took all the joy out of what it is to discover, it would look pretty much like what we have today. Uh -huh. um, one <laughs> of the, <laughs> right? And, you know, the thing that's a, that adds to it being a little unpopular, my view is because, I, I, I honestly see so you. I don't want you to get me in trouble here, Bianca, but <laughs> I, I, I got to tell you, I love my union. I believe in the teachers union. I've spoken up about things that have happened at my school with students that were not well received. And I do believe there is an important role that unions play. However, I also get that there is um, protection of how things have always been done. And that's both at the teacher level, meaning through the unions, and it's also at the administrative level. And there are just ways that things have been done that um, have people be employed in positions that don't necessarily make sense anymore. And I'm not, I'm not targeting any particular job. I'm just saying no, actually, I will tell you. So I have a vision, and, and I'm not saying this is the answer to education. I'm just saying I wish that people, I wish that we had the freedom to really look at some new mm -hmm. ways. So I envision a day when you would have, uh, maybe a high school would hire people that function in the role of like a, something like a, a manager, a project manager or something. I, that's not even the best title, but maybe they have like 30 kids apiece. And it's their job to coordinate the variety of services that now that kids need. Like if the kid is going through something and they need therapy, then this teacher is in touch. Like he or she is connected with these 30 kids and guides their projects. And what do their projects do? They're, they are things that they take on that have a real world application and they are at the appropriate developmental level for that mm -hmm. kid. So in high school, maybe they are, 
you know, if they're into science, maybe they're creating a new algorithm that, you know, does something because that's their science thing. Like, that's not my area. I'm in I'm history, social science, and law. But maybe they are, I've had kids do projects in law class where they come up with, uh, one of my favorites was I asked them to come up with a way to address uh, the wage gap, gender wage gap. And some of the things they came up with, I was expecting to see the same old stuff, but there were a couple groups that came up with these amazing new ways that, you know, I thought, gee, this, I could see some of the pitfalls, but you're like on the right track. This is something I haven't seen before. And I just think that if we could change the model that we have for how schools run, where you hire these teachers who are experts in these things and, and they have 30 kids for an hour and then they have another 30 kids for an hour. What if these experts guide students in real life projects? And so they kind of are, um, I don't know what the word I want to use. They're, they're like on, on demand experts. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I like that. I, I think the closest thing we had to that was I was a nerd and I was in newspaper mm -hmm. <laughs> and, um, and, and we would have, uh, mentors from like the journalism school that were like at CU Boulder because I'm from Colorado originally mm -hmm. and um, and that and that was really impactful but then then again they would take away things like home ec so to this day my husband knows how to sew but I do not like mm -hmm. give me a glue gun I will hot glue gun everything <laughs> but I don't know how to sew my mother-in-law tried to explain her sewing machine to me it made zero sense and I did not, I thought I broke it when I used it. Um, mm -hmm. So, so I'm very much like, I have to learn by doing, however, I have to be interested in that. And so um, they, I took, a, I took like one cooking class and actually that was really helpful because I learned a lot and we took a class where I think we had to figure out how to do our taxes in college. I took like an IMP math or something, um, mm -hmm. which was, which was helpful too, because you were able to look at statistical data differently, but but it, you know, it was never, it was never things I really, really wanted to do. And I agree with you that, that just this, this system tends to fail any kid who's just a little quirky or Absolutely. has a little bit of a different idea, because I feel like a lot of the times they go, Oh, like your alternative, you want to go to a STEM program and be in STEM. And now we're encouraging STEM, 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 STEM. Well, what if they don't want to be mm -hmm. in STEM? What if they want to be a car mechanic or what if they want to be a flight attendant? I don't know. Like, like exactly. if that's what's interesting to them and that's what they want to do and aspire to be, then, then school should be able to serve them and give them the right skills for balancing a checkbook, learning how to do your taxes, writing a resume, like those things um, that I feel like I didn't learn until my final semester of college. Exactly. And, and that's the other thing is this idea that I have of what it could be it would actually allow for learning the kinds of things that you actually need to know as an adult. And that we tend to, you know, go to college, graduate, and then learn about money, finance, learn about buying a house, learning about doing your taxes, learn about, you know, like you said, sewing things. I, I learned how to paint, you know, I painted the interior of my, my home and, mm -hmm. It, you know, it was a learning curve, but it was so much fun. What if I had had the opportunity to do that in school? Who knows? Maybe I would have been a painter. I don't know. But it, it's just 
there are so many experiences that I think kids might engage in and, and, and a more organic, I know that, you know, you're, we would still, there's still some kind of structure involved. And I get that. I'm not saying throw out all structure whatsoever, but I do think that if there were organic opportunities to learn from a place of curiosity and then incorporate the knowledge through experts into that and have it be, you know, just project after project after project, that would be much more sustainable. And I'll finish with this. And I don't think we need semesters. Um, I think that, you know, I figured out how to do a podcast in what, a, um, in a month's time, I had the whole thing set up and ready to roll. <laughs> I, I don't think that there's, I, I think there's enough resources out there this is not when people have to go to the library right like there are enough right. resources out there that we could allow students to spend a month gaining um, expertise in something and then acknowledge that at that age a month or two months is about as much time as they're interested in something in some cases and then let them switch to something else and the ones who are like gung-ho and no i want to do piano like all all four years, then by all means, that'll be a part of your education and you can, you know, learn how to make a piano. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I do like that. And I, I, I can see that kind of moving forward in that way. My friend is, um, she just kind of fell into it. She got her master's in library sciences and then um, she's now uh, moved back to Syracuse, living in her hometown and works for the Syracuse uh, school district as a librarian at uh, an elementary school. And this was never what she wanted to do. You know what I mean? Like that was never, she, she wanted to do, she wanted to um, artifact and catalog uh, art and museum art. Well, fun fact, there's just not a lot of money in that. There's not a lot of jobs in it. And a lot of them are part-time. And um, so she fell into becoming a school librarian and has now really realized that it is a true passion of hers. However, for some reason, she is the librarian. It's like her job to do everything. Like yeah. she's got to set up all the teacher's computer. She's like, I don't know how to do this, but I had to figure it out. And you just kind of, she kept learning and kept learning and kept learning and kept learning. And you know, she's like, well, now I make websites for the school. And I, this, <laughs> now I'm everyone's Zoom IT tech. And, uh -huh. and we do this and we do that. So it's been really interesting kind of watching her in her position and kind of uh, seeing at the elementary level, kind of what seems to be missing. Um, and you're right, I think that that, and I, I would actually agree with you that, gosh, I mean, especially as a kid, like 30 minutes of math, 30 minutes of history, 30 minutes of this, 30 minutes of that, like the, I didn't wanna take US government. <laughs> I didn't wanna take, you know, <clears throat> certain classes. And, I mean, and, I, and, I, and I felt like my time was wasted in these 90 minute blocks every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was just like, yeah. I was I teach, waiting for, for it to crawl by. I teach government and I can honestly tell you, oh my gosh, there is a constitutional case for everybody. There is something of interest to everyone that you could teach the constitution around that they would be engaged and interested. And you may not get the whole constitution covered in the same depth, but it would pull them in based on their interests versus the way they still set up textbooks this is what Congress does. This is the presidency. This is the Supreme Court. <laughs> anyway, 
See, yeah, I'm, no. I mock my profession. I mock it, I mock it, I mock it. <laughs> but I, I can tell you love what you do, and you remind me of two of my favorite teachers, uh, Kenneth Benson and Sarah Pomerenka, who are still lifelong friends of me, of mine, who were with me all the way through high school and have followed me into my adult life. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just want to say thank you, because I think that educators right now really need to be told what you're doing is really valuable. Um, and I think that, you know, even if the podcast doesn't shoot to the moon, at least there's always going to be that impact of value and giving back. But now you have a creative side and a creative outlet as well as the nurturing and value side of teaching. I feel very blessed to live the life I do. I will (laughs) say that I do. Well, we are coming towards the end. It's been such a lovely chat with you. If you're ever in San Diego, you have to hit me up, but I love to give my guests the opportunity to promote whatever they'd like. So do you have something you'd like to promote? Oh, I've only been doing it this whole time. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, oh, I'm sorry. Did she mention the podcast? The podcast? Did I? I don't know. I forgot to tell you. I have this podcast. I'm talking to black men. I think you should know what black men's lives are about. Um, I I will simply say this. Um, Aside from it being a passion, aside from it being born of this moment, they drop so much cool wisdom. They talk about finance. They talk about, you know, just history. It's, I, I get so much out of the conversations and I invite any of your listeners to check out 365 Brothers, the podcast. It's at 365brothers.com and just listen to one episode and enjoy it. And then if you like it, listen to more, but just listen to one and, and just, just enjoy hearing another perspective. And I, I know you'd be interested because you're listening to this podcast and this podcast, Bianca, mm-hmm. is amazing. I, I'm <laughs> grateful to be on it. And I love, you. what you're, I love what you're pointing a light to. Um, and this conversation, like I kid you not, I, I, I'm going to tell you in closing, when I am interviewing someone for my podcast and then they see things they hadn't seen, you know, they hadn't noticed before about their lives. I'm like, Ooh, yeah. (laughs) And I want you to know that this has been such a privilege because that has happened to me a couple times today where I was like, dang, I didn't even realize that about my life. Wait, Oh my gosh, that's a, that is a pattern I hadn't noticed. So thank you for your listening. Thank you for your podcast. Well, thank you. And to my listeners, as always, I will put everything that you need to connect with Robin Shine in the description, including the link to 365 Brothers Podcast. But again, that is 365brotherspodcast.com or just 365brothers.com. 365brothers.com. Perfect. And it's available everywhere you get your pods. Robin, thank you so much for taking time out of your hot, busy schedule. Go get yourself a beer. Enjoy your evening. And we will speak soon. Thank you so much. Sounds great. Thank you, Bianca. (laughs) Have a great day. Bye. Hey listeners, I wanted to share a special promotion for you from Dash of Pep. Dash of Pep is a clothing boutique that offers non-binary clothing that has fun prints that support mental health and empowering you to be your best self. In this pandemic, it is great to shop small and support small businesses like Dash of Pep. More than 50% of my wardrobe is from her adorable store. Robin at Dash of Pep has graciously given me a promo code for you to use at checkout. Use P-D-K-M-O to receive 15% off your order. Again, that is www.dashof.com. 
pep.com and you can enter PDKMO at checkout to receive 15% off your order. This has been Please Don't Kick Me Out, a podcast about imposter syndrome. If you like what you hear, please subscribe, like, comment, share, tell a friend. You know, that's how I'm going to keep these stories going. Also, if you want to be a podcast guest, you can reach out to me at pdkmopodcast at gmail.com and we can get it set up. Thanks everyone for your continued support. And I look forward to, you know, connecting with you again next Monday.